Episode Zero of Pop with Ken Mills and Courtney Dold. What is pop anyway? And welcome to a brand new show. Welcome to Pop, a pop culture podcast. I'm Ken Mills, one of your hosts, and today I'm joined by one of our other hosts, the lovely, the talented, Courtney. Oh, it's me. Yes, it's you. You said the lovely and the talented, and I was like, is there someone else on the line? Okay, (laughs) it's me. Yay. Hi. Thank you, Ken. Now, pronounce your name for for the folks. It is Courtney Cronin-Dold, which is my married name. Right, and I always want to call you Courtney Cronin-Droid. I don't know why. You can call me Cronin-Droid. I like that. I'm not that big of a Star Wars fan, but I always want to do that. Yeah, I'm a Whenever I see it, it's droid. Is this the Courtney droid I'm looking for? Yes, it is. (laughs) Yes, it is. So, I guess we need to explain what this is all about and introduce ourselves a little bit. My name is Ken Mills. I do quite a few other podcasts, and I'm a big podcast person, and I love to help the cause of podcasting and get it out there for more people. And I do a show about Kiss, I do a show about the monkeys, and I do a show about Cheap Trick. I'd love to do a show about, oh, Batman, Star Trek, The Beatles, The Walking Dead. And I thought, you know, why not make one show where I can talk about whatever I like? And I got a hold of the lovely Courtney here, and I said, hey, you're someone who's into pop culture along with myself and everybody on the planet Earth. (laughs) And I asked you to come along with me on this journey. And I'm here. I am a graphic designer by trade and a podcaster for fun, and I am a pop culturalist. I've actually been called that on the radio, so I'm going to stick with that. And you, my fellow pop culturalist, what do you do for a living? I write and produce silly television shows like game shows and hidden camera shows and reality shows and comedy shows, and I've been a stand-up comedian for 20 years don't perform as much uh, as I used to because I like to stay home. But I, uh, I've been a comedian for over 20 years and uh, I write for other comedians mostly now. Do a little less performing. but um, And I like to talk about stuff like this and I like to go to live music and I like to like talk about it at length to like probably a level that is annoying to some people but not to others who mm-hmm. I am so glad I have found. I didn't know the world existed of people who wanted to talk about all the things that I like to talk about. And then I found Ken Mills. Yes, and, and, and here we are. And it changed my life. I'm, I'm, I'm so glad that I met you. <laughs> By the way, you know, you said you're a stand-up comedian. I'm, I'm, I don't really have the endurance for that. I'm more a sit-down or recline <laughs> comedian. So. Yes. If we can get maybe a sponsorship with Lazy Boy, that and could I could work. go on tour. Actually, that's pretty clever. I've never... I don't think I've any seen anyone do comedy in a Lazy Boy. That's actually really funny, but you'd have to lug it around all, all the gigs. Or put it in your rider. Every gig, I need a, yeah. I need a Lazy Boy there. Right. There you go. So, Miss Doyd, please tell us a little <laughs> bit about you and your pop culture history. Like, where does your fandom lie? What makes you totally fan out? What makes you geek out? Well... We definitely have the Kiss and Monkeys thing in common, which is how we connected. Mm -hmm. I was performing comedy on the last Kiss Cruise and met 
good friend of yours, Mr. Joseph Polo, who put us in touch. And and then we started talking, and our conversations got so long, it just became why, why this should be a podcast. Absolutely. we have a lot of things in common. Um, I'd say for me, it, it definitely starts with the monkeys and, and Kiss, the same as you, for music. I'm also a really big power pop fan. I'm mm-hmm. huge into Squeeze. I've seen them an obscene amount of times in concert. I'm also a very big fan of The Love Boat. I love 70s television shows. I love watching repeats of like Three's Company. (laughs) I've seen every single episode of The Love Boat probably more than once. So many times so that I've actually confused episodes of The Love Boat in my personal life. Like, did this happen to me or was this on The Love Boat? (laughs) (laughs) Was I slow dancing with Burt Convy in the moonlight? Nope, nope. That was The Love Boat. That was Um, The Love Boat. But but then again, you have weird things where uh, fans and, and pop worlds kind of intersect. Like, for True. example, only on The Love Boat could you have Sonny Bono pretending to be a member of KISS. So... <laughs> what was his name again? Deacon... Um... Deacon something, and it was like, but really out of the makeup, he was like this shy guy who couldn't talk to girls, which clearly this character had nothing to do with anything Gene Simmons whatsoever. (laughs) Oh, I can't talk to girls. I'm a huge rock star. But offstage, I'm this quiet guy who's kind of like an accountant. Deacon Dark. Deacon Dark. With his hit, Smash It. Let's play a little bit of that right now. the Acapulco Lounge. I'm here to introduce a superstar. Ladies and gentlemen, here he is. The demented, the dangerous, the disgusting Deacon Dark! Jerry 
Yes, that actually was one of the forgotten heroes of heavy metal, Deacon Dark, as portrayed by Sonny Bono. I know. And you know what, Sonny, I love Sonny's voice. Sonny mm-hmm. can sing. But he has a kind of like a snarky kind of an attitude when he sings. Like it, it, it comes off as snarky, even in like I Got You, Babe. Yeah. It's like, hey, no, no. Well, you know, it just sounds like someone like making fun of people. Like I could hear that voice. Oh, uh, True. I can see that. The demented, dangerous, and the disgusting Deacon Dark. Wow. <laughs> Very so true. That's the kind of thing that messes with your head in pop culture, right there. Mm-hmm. And on this show, we're going to delve into things like this. We're going to talk about what's popping in our week, things that we like, and things we want to turn you on to. And we will also be taking suggestions from our listeners. We're going to boldly go into other fandoms and and pop things that we don't really know about and we'll have people come on and talk about them that That sounds like such a lovely idea ken it's just our way to make the world a brighter place right well we're right we're doing this anyway we're right all of us are doing this hours on end daily why not share it with people who just don't happen to not be in the room at that time right now they're in the room And we have a Facebook page that you can join us on, and we'll put links in the show notes. And we want you to join us on Facebook. Be part of our daily discussion. Be part of it all. Turn us on to your thing, whatever it is. If it's Godzilla, let us know about it. You know, and it's strange because not everything translates into this modern generation. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, there are things that we saw as kids... And I'm I'm older than you, but you still know what I'm talking about. Like, when there was something on TV, you didn't necessarily have a VCR to tape it right away. You know what I mean? So, True. like, if something was happening, and there was only three channels, chances are you were watching one of those shows. <laughs> right. So, if Dukes True. of Hazards or The Incredible Hulk, or Dallas, or something was on, or, or maybe somebody was on American Bandstand, or whatever. Or Dance Fever. That was one of my favorites. Oh, Denny Terrio. Oh, I wanted to be on that show so bad when I was a kid. I put a whole routine together and everything, and I was ready to go, and then the show got canceled. And clearly I would have been on it if it had not been canceled. And sadly there was such a lapse between <laughs> Dance Fever and America's Got Talent. <laughs> right, exactly. Now they just want you to do too much. Before you just had to dance side by side, do a couple spins, do a couple lifts, you could win. Do that pop and lock move. That's right. It's not like Dancing with the Stars, you know, where you got to learn like two dances a week and it's completely insane. I mean, on Dance uh, Dance Fever, it was like 90 seconds. Yeah, it was that quick. was it. And you know, it's weird. As much as I hated disco at the time, I would watch that show almost daily. Oh, yeah. It was, I loved it. I loved that. I loved putting on the hits. You know, they started doing that again in Vegas as a live show with the same host. Wow. Yes. <laughs> At the swankiest of hotels, the Palace Station. Mm. What was his name? Putting on the hits. Alan Fawcett. Alan Fawcett. Where are you now, sir? He, I believe he was, uh, he might still be in Vegas doing the live show. (laughs) I mean, I know it was like a big thing. And that show was only on for like two seasons, maybe not even, or three maybe. It was not, oh no, it's saying it was on. For four years. Okay, so it was on. It was four seasons. But he's still getting work off of it from Vegas, so. Yeah, yeah. well, that's what Vegas is. Yeah, somebody likes it. 
Mm-hmm. So, and, and you know how I talked about how some things don't translate well to like the modern era? Mm-hmm. I was trying to explain the $6 million man and the bionic woman to my stepson. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to explain to him that I think that it was a plot to stop TV violence because we would have fights like my brother and I, we, we, we would we'd pretend to be like uh, Steve Austin, the $6 million man in Bigfoot. But when we would fight, we would fight in slow motion with that. So like when I'd like go to throw a punch, my brother would know for like a minute it was coming, right? For like 20 seconds. Like, and then he would do the react and someone would pick up a pillow and and so my mom instead of like uh screaming at us like knock it off it would be like in slow motion like you guys can knock that off any time now <laughs> it's like the bud spencer movies he was an italian actor mm-hmm. and in the 70s 60s and 70s i think he just passed away and i think he was like 90 something um but he's a big movie star in italy and in those movies were really popular in Germany and my husband and his friends, because my husband grew up in Germany, they loved the Bud Spencer movies and their parents were okay with them watching it because the violence was always very slapstick. Mm-hmm. And he was, he was a big guy. He looked like Bluto from Popeye. Mm. Like he, he was like a tough looking guy and he would open hand slap everyone. So it looked ridiculous. Oh, that's so that's scary. how it was okay for the kids to watch it. And everyone would always fall on a cake or knock down scaffolding. Like it would always be some ridiculous fall. But the open hand slap, and then I'm like, that still looks like it would hurt so badly because his hand is the size of my head, Ken. The man had a big, big hand. But um, but I see what you mean. It's like the maybe not the same thing at all, but um, trying to, you know, things that your parents would let you watch because they weren't so violent, which, of course, now is like almost impossible to find. Right. Absolutely. You, you know, you, I'm trying to tell my stepson about this, and he's like, you actually watch this. And I had to explain to him, we only had three channels. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, it was cool. I mean, that was kind of a cool idea because I had the doll. I had the um, the doll of the bionic woman. Mm-hmm. And the um, the leg had like like this little thing that you could open up and you, that you could see the computer, you know, like the wire oh, yeah, inside. Yeah. That was the coolest thing. It opened up in the back. It opened up in the leg. And I forget where else, but I mean, as soon as you get the doll, of course she was nude all the time and those things were always off. (laughs) Yeah, it was weird. I I had the Steve Austin doll. Yeah. That's what boys had the Steve Austin doll and girls had the bionic woman whose name, why am I forgetting her name? What is the, Jamie Summers. Girls had Jamie Summers dolls and boys, boys had the, uh, Steve Austin. The Steve Austin. I can't marry you, Steve Austin. I'm the bionic (laughs) woman. (laughs) There's a hilarious scene in from Freaks and Geeks where the one character, Bill, dresses up as Lindsay Wagner slash the bionic woman. And it's quite hilarious. I don't know if you've ever seen that or remember no. that scene. Oh, my God. No, I'm, I watched that whole show, too. I don't remember it, but I watched it at the time that it came out. I have a, a bad memory like that because I watch and I take in so many things mm-hmm. that I have, to be, I have to be reminded or see a picture or something, and then that'll trigger the memory. Ah. I'm sorry, Steve Austin. I can't marry you. I'm I'm mad at you right now. What? I'm I'm sorry. I can't hear you. Hold on. I'm gonna put the phone on my bionic ear. 
That's that's better. No, don't talk so loud. Don't forget, I've got bionic hearing. No, these are not bionic. These are all me. Huh? I heard that crack cow. Oh, oh, it wasn't you. Oh, okay, I guess I'll just... Oscar Goldman. It's me, Jamie Summers. Steve Austin is trapped in the, in the reaction. Hi, Mom. Okay, you could use the phone. Well, I me... think I might be a little bionic myself and just not... Do you have a bionic brain? Well, I have this, like, little door on my leg. I should open it and see what's <laughs> underneath. I've always wondered. Maybe we'll do it on the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bionic cough. Yeah, right? that was a bionic cough. <laughs> Wait, actually, that was a bionic laugh. Do that again. <laughs> Wait a minute. Fran Drescher is really the bionic, bionic. woman. If that's a bionic laugh. <laughs> oh my God. She's a bionic comedian. <laughs> okay. I think they should do the histrionic woman where she just tries to get attention all the time and creates fake problems and posts about them on Facebook. Hey, I That'd know a lot of people like that. Yeah. That resemble that <laughs> remark. So this episode really is about nothing. It's just an introductory episode. But we threw this idea out to people, and a bunch of people responded, didn't they, Courtney? They sure did. We're going to read to you some of the responses we got from Facebook. Would you like to take the first one, dear? All right. Here we go. So here are some of the suggestions that the faithful listeners of Ken Mills, the Podfather, have contributed to this podcast, things they'd like to hear us talk about. Carolyn Foss writes, is rock fashion included? Like why are Steven Tyler's scarves so important? Or how Bon Jovi went from leather to casual, etc." Hmm. Well, mm-hmm. I, I, to me, fashion definitely will come up, whether it's rock and roll or TV shows or suede jumpsuits or disco fashions, what have you. It's definitely going to be something that we talk about. I never understood the, the the need for so many scarves on Steven Tyler's microphone stand, did you? No, he has quite a few scarves. But um like if for me, I would do that in my stand up because I think it would make me look thinner. But Steven's already eighty two pounds, so it's clearly right. not for that reason. <laughs> and and it's weird, both he, Steven Tyler and Joe Perry have been growing these very bizarre mustaches as of late. Have you seen that? No. They look like, I don't want to be culturally insensitive, but Fu Manchu mustaches, they, they kind of, like, they're just at the sides of their lips. Huh. All I know is that someone needs to do an intervention. Seriously. So if you know Steven Tyler or Joe Perry, please let them know that they have stepped out of cool. Okay. I have not yet had the pleasure, and being a Boston girl, I would be, that would be a big, a huge thrill for me. So. Oh, you got to do it then. They are on the radio constantly back there. Constantly. Carolyn also writes, Fear the Walking Dead and the Walking Dead. And she'd also like to talk about 1970 Kung Fu flicks, which I know when I was coming up, like Bruce Lee and Kung Fu was all the thing. I mean, everybody was Kung Fu fighting. They really were. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There was even a Hong Kong Fui. (laughs) 
with Scatman Crothers. I don't know who put that one together. Like, at what point was there a board meeting that someone said, let's get Scatman Crothers and we'll make him be a dog that fights crime. He wears a bathrobe and I think he slept in a filing cabinet, if I remember correctly. I think you're right. I don't remember that cartoon too well, but I did like it. I know that because I liked the theme song. Yeah, of course. Everybody did. Let's play that now. Number one super guy. Hong Kong Fooey. Quicker than the human eye. Tick a chong, 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 Hong Kong Fooey. Panrific. And see, this is what this show's about. It's about knocking the cobwebs from the recesses of your dormant mind. And you know what's great for me, Ken? Just for this, it's just being a comedy writer and work. I make references in my jokes a lot of the time that I, that the people I'm working for are too young or don't get it. They have no idea what I'm talking about. It goes right over their heads, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's really fun for me when they actually get a reference. Like that's why the rock and roll roasts are so fun because everybody knows what you're talking about. You can make the most obscure reference, and everybody in the in the show and everybody in the audience is going to get it. Same with the Kiss Cruise. I can make the most obscure reference to Kiss in my humor, which is so much fun for me. And everybody's going to get it. And I feel like that's what's cool about this show is everything we're talking about, it's going to, I mean, obviously that's why they're listening, but um, it's kind of fun to like talk about these things for people who are getting it and and not going, huh? What are you talking about? I wasn't born yet. Like, that's my favorite. I don't even know what you're talking about. I wasn't, how does this affect me? How is this about me? So (laughs) this joke is not about me. I deem it unfunny. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. So, anyway, just wanted to toss, throw that in there. By the way, here's a uh, good Huey Lewis joke. You ready? Mm-hmm. No news is good news unless you're Huey Lewis. So, that one, no, no charge. Oh, on that and one. the news. Oh God, that took. That's really bad. <laughs> Hang on. Am I drinking decaf? Is this decaf? Something's <laughs> wrong here. Is this here. thing on? <laughs> okay. So, who's up next? Up next is Troy. Thigpen, who I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, who suggested we talk about Breaking Bad, one of the best shows ever, oh my God, and the new golden age of television. And he said, I think the golden age seed was planted with The Sopranos, probably Hmm. my all-time favorite show, by the way, Ken. The Sopranos. Oh, I've watched The Sopranos an obscene amount. I've seen all six seasons, every single episode, all the way through. Uh, It's embarrassing. I think how often I've seen this show. I am a very big fan. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely one of those touchstone moments in television history. So we'll be discussing that and so many more things. Uh, what, what's next on the agenda here? Jessica Gonzalez wants to know what's happening in comics. Ah, see, I'm a big comic book nerd, and it's weird because as as a comic book nerd, it was kind of strange. You know, growing up, you would like begged to see like that horrible Spider-Man show that was on in the 70s because it was at least something right mm-hmm. and we would sit through any amount of garbage including the Howard the Duck movie which I love by the way any time to see uh, Leah Thompson uh, that, 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 that's all Lip I'm going to say. Lip-syncing the song Howard the Duck? Well that and her seducing poultry you know a, a duck. Right. Is, is, wait is, is a duck poultry? I don't want to I would assume um, it is. 
I don't want to. I don't want to offend any poultry. It's foul. 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 It's very foul. Well, I'll tell you what was really foul was Leah Thompson <laughs> seducing a duck. So, but uh, I, I don't know if it was as foul as a uh, what's his name Jeffrey Jones is. Uh, weird transformation there oh, towards the end. Oh. Good lord. We, we could do an entire episode just on that. Oh, we have to because I took the little girl I babysat for mm -hmm. to see it and she was like four and I thought it was for kids because it was a little duck. I didn't realize how I, I, didn't know any, well, I didn't know anything about the comic book. So I didn't know what I was getting us into and she just turned to me halfway through the movie and went this is stupid and she was like four. <laughs> And perhaps not age appropriate for a four year old. No, we had to we had to leave, yeah. So we definitely are going to investigate the world of Howard the Duck. But you know, when you think about comic books and to say what's happening in comics, you have to look at everything from the creators to the cosplay world to mm. all the movies, television. I mean it's just everywhere. It's literally taken over everything. I know. Isn't there a movie about like every single comic now? Like, are there any left to make a movie out of? Oh yeah, like, there's a left? few, but but they're probably all under option, right? You know, they're uh, exactly optioned, like so. everybody's just grabbed them up, which is smart because they do really well at the box office. So, yeah. but you wonder how long that can continue to be a True. big thing. True. You know, like for example, I I have friends that love Star Wars. And I'm kind of concerned for the folks who love Star Wars because, yay, they're getting, like, new movies now every year, right? Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, they're getting new movies every year. So <laughs> the odds of them all being amazing and spectacular and fantastic, well, let's just put it this way. There's the original three, and then there's those three that came out, mm -hmm. uh, you know. Family you know, everybody says they're so terrible. I didn't hate them. I didn't hate that little kid. I didn't think he was horrible. Well, I mean... Don't you think we're at a point where I exist because I, I'm outraged? The bigger I stomp my foot, the more people will pay attention. Oh, maybe. True. You know. I just feel like everybody was expecting it to be more like the first three, which is hilarious for me because it's not like you look back on it and you, t and you, and you say, oh my God, Mark Hamill's acting in this scene was so powerful. I was right. crying. My, I, I mean, it's that Star Wars is not about the acting. Right. On the other hand, should it be about Jar Jar Banks? So... Ooh, but somewhere know. out there, there's a Jar Jar Binks fan just waiting to talk about Jar Jar Binks. If so, let us know. If you're out there, stand up for what you believe in. Be proud, right? Uh, I believe Donald Trump put a ban on Jar Jar Binks fans <laughs> too soon. I'm sorry. Zing. Nothing political. Nothing political here. Too much of that. I, I can't yeah. even look at Facebook. Let's talk about Godzilla. Let's Pop. talk about other things. <laughs> so we we have our friend Sarah Clark she says just heard that weird al has a career box set coming out would love to hear your thoughts on him ooh meatloaf could be fun too ooh, ooh. yeah meatloaf so much great music there jim steinman and him the work they did ooh, fantastic the power, stuff the power ballad master absolutely jim steinman yeah fantastic and yes weird al does have a box set coming out and it's in the shape of are you ready for it Yes. accordion oh i love it i love weird al people don't realize how good his backup band is like they don't they always like no one really thinks about it but they've been together for like what 30 years or something like that well and and they're er, earlier than that even i mean went back when he was doing another one rides the bus you know he uh -huh. was carrying those guys around and they're they were making music so yeah it's the same band and and that says a lot about who al is as a person mm -hmm. you know like that he's 
fun to work with. I've had the pleasure of meeting him once. I was so excited. He was such a nice guy. And he was actually in the audience when I was hosting at the Laugh Factory. And he was sitting with Billy Corgan, which is like, didn't know those two were pals. But I, maybe he was doing a parody of one of his songs at the time. I just don't know which one. Did he? Is there a Smashing Pumpkins parody? I don't know. I don't know, but I'm going to write it right now. Yeah. So my job is an umpire. Like a guy who, you know, is an umpire. And it's to that song. So. Oh, okay. Well, no, he I, was I, there with him and... Uh, I was very, I just remember being really nervous. Like, oh my God, I have to be funny in front of, in front of Weird Al. Like, how do you, how are you funny in front of like the funniest guy? Like, and then, I love Weird Al. And then Mr. Depressed, Billy Corrigan, on the other hand. So, right. Maybe, maybe they were on a, a, yin, a, a yin and yang tour. <laughs> yeah. The funniest guy in the world and the saddest guy in the world, which, which I don't think that he's sad all the time. No. I actually like the Smashing Pumpkins up to a point. Yeah. Pat Kelly writes in Slade. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we definitely have to talk about Slade. We, we plan to talk a lot about music, and I guess we need to say that this is about anything in pop culture. I don't care if it's TV, radio, movies, magazines, books, stamps. I mean, there are really cool pop stamps out there, you know, Star Trek stamps and so on and so forth. If you're into stamps, let us know. You can, you can tell us where to stick them, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. I'll tell you where to stick them. Oh. I'm sorry. Can oh. we edit that out? Just kidding. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. It was so obvious. It was such an obvious joke. There you go. I'll try not to do that. No, no. It might as well. As long as it pops, it's good. All right. You want to pick up the next one? Okay. Nigel Dreiner says, let me know when you get to a Godzilla episode. Wow. You know, the, the long story of Godzilla and our love affair, the American culture's love affair with Godzilla, I think there's a part of it that, that really wants to get stepped on by a big green <laughs> reptile. That really is nature's revenge, isn't it? It really is. And, like, I think every kid at some point had that thought where they're like, I wish Godzilla was real. Even though he stepped on everything and ruined everything, there's that little part of you at the beach just hoping this big green monster would come out of the water and just start walking on the beach. Mm-hmm. No? Am I crazy? I really don't think I'm the only person who's had that thought. No, and there is a lot of times that Godzilla would, like, adopt a kid. Sure. Or not like, like, not like you know, this is my kid, Godzilla Jr. or anything. Right, right. But it would be like, Godzilla! And he would, like, carry him around and not crush his house, you know. <laughs> no. In fact, yesterday I went on a whale watch, and it was pretty amazing. And uh, What is on a the, whale on watch? The, I'm sorry? What is a whale watch? Well, just out where I live is, mm-hmm. like, the whale highway. Um, they migrate from Alaska to Mexico, and they come right through this the area where I live. Wow. So... So we take, you know, you can take a boat out of the harbor, and we saw like three or four whales yesterday, including a giant fin whale, which got away from us, unfortunately. But um, they're all right here, so it's it's not hard to spot them. And uh, someone said that they were like, someone on the boat said out loud, "Wouldn't that be cool if Godzilla just came out of the?" And I was like, "Oh my God, I can't believe someone just said that," because I used to think that when I was little. Hey, couldn't it be cool? Ladies and gentlemen, Courtney Dole, not only does she do stand-up in front of Weird Al and Billy Corrigan, but she goes on whale watches. So this is this is why you got this gig right here. I love the whale watches. I'm a fan. <laughs> <laughs> Up next is Bonnie Verico. 
She says, what about 50s and 70s monster horror flicks, kind of popish, in a rubber zipper supposed to be scary, but now just entertaining kind of way? Oh, hell yes. That. We're definitely going to do that. She said yeah. that she's the one who feels bad for King Kong or Frankenstein because it wasn't his fault, or Dracula huh? because he was just surviving. She thinks she's sick. <laughs> yeah, definitely that's <laughs> he, going he, to he. happen. Not if, no, sick people don't say he, he, he. No, sick people. Well... Depending on your definition of sick. Right. Yeah. Mary Ann Francis Cowley writes, How about why TV and movie reboots keep happening? Ugh. That could be like an ongoing 29-part series. Like every week, two hours at a time. Just that alone. Yeah, true. I know. I actually posted something on Facebook about a remake of white men can't jump because I'm a huge Clippers fan and I love Blake Griffin and Blake Griffin was going to be in it. You know, he had something to do with it or whatever. And I posted it and all my friends were like flipping out. They're like, no, leave the movie alone. It's, and it's, it's, it's one of my favorite movies. I love that movie. And they, everyone started flipping out and I was like, Oh my gosh. I think sometimes, I mean, yeah, we could do three years on this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now here's, here's two things that I think could be redone mm -hmm. that I don't know has happened yet. For example, I know that Lee Majors is still alive, right? And uh, Matt so. Porter had an excellent idea. He thought it would be cool to get him to come back and play the role of Colt Seavers and have it be about his grandson that could be played by Chris Jericho. And the joke of it is, is that because everything's done with CGI, they really uh -huh. don't even need stuntmen anymore. Oh, interesting. Well, Wow. See that, so that, a fall guy with, with Chris Jericho. Yeah, who would then, occasionally get thrown through walls and solve crimes and stuff like that. And, and, and Lee Majors would run around and like be his grandpa and give him sage advice and things like that. And watch him get his ass kicked and, tri and be triumphant at the end of the episode. I'm a fan of that. I, I just think that it could work. There's a lot of, you could do a lot of in Hollywood jokes, you know what I mean, about stunts and how Hollywood works and stuff like that. True. Yeah, Lee Majors is alive. Mm-hmm. He's, um, he's still he's still uh, active and of sound mind and. Well, I don't know if he was of sound mind when he went to his plastic surgeon last time. Ah, uh, well. He's such a handsome guy, and I don't know why he did that to his face because I just don't understand why handsome men do this to their faces. You're men. It's okay for you to age. Be it's rugged. okay. I mean, it's okay for women to age too. Hang on, absolutely, I, I just it is. That's going to cause like a, a no, big no, huge no. Thing. I love people just as they are, and right. Uh, be be yourself. Be proud of who you are. On the other hand, Hollywood is pretty much based on how do how do you say it? It's it's, it's really not based on reality. So it's it's them trying to keep that standard that they had all their life, right? But I think he would look more like himself and the way he was hoping to look if he didn't do anything to his face. Right. He would still look like Lee Majors. I mean, it's really not that bad. It's not It's not that bad. I mean, right. there, there's other people we know who totally destroyed their face. Right. Please don't talk about me like this. <laughs> oh, come on. Come on, Ken. <laughs> I mean, I've had Botox. I'm not going to lie. I have. Really? But I you, you have? I've, I, what's it I like? Have. What's it like? It's really uncomfortable and it hurts. And honestly, the last time I had it, the lady put too much and I looked like, you know, those pictures that you look, you know, in school, of like the Cro-Magnon and like the head, the forehead is like huge and like sticking out, you know, like that picture. Wow. That's what my forehead looked like. I'm scared. I don't know if I could do that. Yeah. It looked pretty bad. Mm. 
Yikes. Well, another reboot would be The Greatest American Hero. Remember that show? Oh, God. I loved that show. I saw William Cat on an airplane, actually, and he was sitting behind me in coach. And I was like, why is William Cat in coach? But then I just thought about it and was like, well, he's he, probably doing a, a, a personal appearance or something, and they didn't fly right. him first class. Well, he, he never could fly properly, so it's better he's in coach. Oh, oh my gosh. That's a show joke there. That's and a, yeah. we are wrapped. Nothing's yeah. going to top that line. <laughs> That'll be it, folks. Thank you for tuning in. But see, he's still and around. And Mills, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> he could never fly properly. That's very, very naive of me to go, why isn't he in first class? Because he's a celebrity. People have to save money. And I realized right. that was a very naive thing for me yeah. to say. But he just I was just fly. thrilled he was sitting there because then I could, you know, I looked right at He looks great. He looked, that's somebody who didn't mess with their face, who looks amazing. Did he's you talk a young to him? Man. Huh? Did you talk to him? No, he actually talked to me, weirdly. Like, wow. It was weird. Like, I mean, it was just about like a suitcase and a seat and just airplane stuff, you know, Mm -hmm. but that was it. And then I was like, oh, my God, he just talked to me. Oh, my God. But I think, you know, there was no one else sitting around and he was probably bored. But but boy, did he look good. Well, see, I think it would be great for them to have him be in a remake and the government comes to him and says, look, we've got this this kid who's got the suit. The suits picked him. We need your help. And he's like, listen, I can't help you. you know? <laughs> it oh, didn't work out so well for me. You're going to crash be... into a lot of walls. And he could be the sage advice kind of guy. you know. And I just I... think that it would open itself up to tons of hilarity. Oh, my gosh. There's just the hilarity would never end. I think that would be a great remake of a show. I, I just don't know. I guess I would catch on quickly because people, you know, the superhero thing is exactly it. This is, is, is an idea for die. its time. This is an idea for its time. This is it. This is now. It should be happening. I actually know something weird about the theme song because I actually really love the song. Who doesn't? I know. If you if if you if you don't have a heart and soul, you don't like the theme song. To believe it or not, the theme song from America's Greatest Heroes. Right. If you don't like Believe It or Not, some, you, there's a little bit something dead inside of you. Mm-hmm. So anyway, the the, lead, the guy who sings the song, I believe his name is Joe Scarberry. Yes. And he worked for Mike Post. And Mike Post wrote the music and he's written like the Law and Order theme and he's written right. a ton of TV show themes, which would also be a wonderful topic for us to discuss on this show. Popular television show themes like you played Hong Kong Fui earlier. I think that would be a fun show. Because we know all the words. We all know all the words. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the sad things that is going to disappear. I mean, Uh we look back on our childhood, our our collective childhoods, and you may not think that you know the words to different strokes, but you get enough people singing it in the back of a bus or in a bar, and everybody knows it. Right, And and a lot of people probably don't know Alan Thicke wrote it and sang it. Right. And God rest his wonderfully sweet soul he was a uh, he just i i worked with him a couple of times and he was just i mean he's a professional he was just such a gentleman and such a nice guy that was really sad a lot of people might not know that and then for the joey maybe no one's going to care about this story or maybe they will he actually sang the demo for his boss mike post who was like you know what you should just sing it and that's how he wound up with the gig for that wound up with the gig and it's one of the few television theme songs that actually became that actually charted. Right. And Enough's Enough does a, a wonderful cover of it that I sent to you, I think, a week ago. It's mm-hmm. very good. Very good. Mm-hmm. 
you never know where you're going to find pop culture. It pops no. up everywhere. How's that for a pun? Pop. I can. You are you are on fire. Keep going. That's what I do. I burn. You do. Dorothy Jones writes the monkeys, and we will touch on them. But there's this show called Zilch, or the British Invasion. Oh, I'm going to be talking Beatles here. Mm. You can't keep me away from it. Nope. James Barr writes Twin Peaks, the true pioneer of long-form storytelling on TV, ten years before The Sopranos, making a return to TV on Showtime in May. And even though I'm not a huge Twin Peaks fan, James Barr, I may rope you in to be part of a discussion on Twin Peaks. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing the return. So you're a big fan? I was an In-N-Out fan. Mm. I kind of was... Now, uh, now, we're not talking about the burger joint. I don't even know what that is. In-N-Out burger? You've never heard of In-N-Out burger? Oh, oh, In-N-Out burger. No, I don't eat meat, Ken. So I've only had grilled cheese at the In-N-Out. I've never had an In-N-Out burger. You're just so cool. You fly with the guy from Greatest American Heroes, do stand-up in front of Weird Al, and now you're a vegetarian. Uh, pescatarian, which is such an obnoxious thing to say. Wait, what is it? I should be, someone should come over and punch me in the face right now. Pescatarian, I mean, I eat fish, because I love fish. I live at the beach, I like fish. But I don't eat meat, because I just don't like it. I'm not, like, trying to save the world, I just don't care for it. Mm. Although, I did see the movie Forks Over Knives, and that stopped me from eating chicken and turkey, and I can't eat that ever again. Don't see that movie. If you like bacon, do not see that movie. You will never eat it again. (laughs) Making a note to myself, do not watch film. It is really, really intense. Yeah, it did. It turned us off immediately, and the next day we stopped. Wow. And that was uh, five years ago. Yeah, it's been about five years since I've had a piece of chicken. Wow. Eric Miller writes, Raising my hand for Star Trek Voyager. I I absolutely love Star Trek. I am such a huge Star Trek nerd. To me, Star Trek is the vision of the future I want. But, you know, where basically everyone lives to their greatest potentials and we, we do the best we can and everybody's equal. Not a bad plan for the universe. No. Not at all. I, my roommate in college was a huge Star Trek Next Generation and Voyager, and mm-hmm. that was his thing, and uh, I watched it because of him. Sadly, I've never been able to vote for Spock in any election because he was not an American citizen. Oh. Vote Spock. It is only logical. <laughs> yeah. So there's the campaign posters right there. Yeah. Mark Konzorowski writes, Night Gallery. Were you a big fan of Night Gallery growing up? I don't, I don't even know what Night Gallery is. This is the one thing that stumped me. I don't know. I, what is it? You poor, deluded child. I, um, I know. I feel terrible that I don't know Night Gallery. Night Gallery was one well, of those... Well, it was those... before I was born, but go, right, go on. Right, sorry. right, But still, there's no excuse. I know. I'm sorry. But we will educate you. Please. What Night Gallery was, was it one of those... Uh, it, it was one of those anthology series, like Twilight Zone, mm. where every week something would happen. It was a, more of a... Whereas Twilight Zone seemed to be a little more science fiction-y, Night Gallery was a little more scary. Okay. That's just off the top of my head. So that would be something that would be a cool remake then? Oh, absolutely. And you know, there's actually something called Black Mirror right now on Netflix, and it started out as a British television show, and... It, I'll tell you, it's ultra creepy, and it deals with 
more kind of science fiction looking at our current social media. Like, for example, there's one episode where your social media score also affects your credit score, where you can live, what kind of uh. job you can have, whether people will actually talk to you or not. And if oh. you're blocked, you're blocked. Oh my God, it's that sounds terrible. Scary, scary consequences. Black Mirror on Netflix. We also need to do an episode on the rise of Netflix and Hulu and things like that because they've actually become their own network. Mm -hmm. People are talking about Netflix the way they used to talk about HBO and Showtime and things like that. It's just an amazing resource. Along with Hulu, you can get a lot of cool old programming on both Netflix and Hulu. Hulu seems to have a bit deeper dish, like, for example, things like Fall Guy or some of the older 60s shows and things like that, like, like for example, Green Acres and stuff like mm-hmm. that. That's all there. Your Netflix seems to be your more hipper shows, if you will. True. Good documentaries. Mm-hmm. I love documentaries. Up next, we have Amy Simon. How would you say that? I was going to say, who wants to take that one? Yeah. Um, I'm going to say it's pronounced Amy Sismania. Well, then why don't you say it? Amy Sismania says, looking forward to this. Music and comedy together as well as separate are two of my favorite things. Very good. Well, Amy, guess what? Must do. <laughs> it looks like this is the show for her. Just off the top of your head, who are your favorite stand-up comedians? Oh, wow. It changes all the time. Mm-hmm. I love Carol Leifer. I mean, she's the queen bee. Mm-hmm. I mean, she is just an incredible joke writer, hilarious comedian. Um, she's one of those comedians' comedians. Oh, she really is. Like, every comedian loves her. And, like, mm-hmm. her office was across from my office two years ago when I was doing this pilot at NBC. Mm-hmm. And I kept seeing her name on the door, and I'm like, oh, my God, please come in here. I want to meet you. And then I was doing a show with the guys from Punked, and when she came in, they were standing in front of my office, and she walked over, and, and we just started chatting with her. And they dominated the conversation, and I'm like, excuse me, I'm the female comedian who is directly inspired by this woman's work. I want to talk to her, you know. But they took, they dominated the conversation, but it was really funny. She said something, and then my boss was like, Carol, are you kidding me? We're, we, we're huge fans of yours. We love you. And she started dancing back and forth, and she goes, please, keep going. And it was <laughs> it was hysterical, and I literally wanted to hug her right then. I'm just like, oh my god, she is the best. So I, she's probably my favorite, I would say. And then as far as dudes, Dana Gould is mm. my favorite dude comedian. That man is so incredibly funny. Very underrated. Oh my god, is he? I got to work with him a few times. Also, another super nice guy. My absolute he. He's probably my favorite. I just have everything he's ever done. I just love him. Mm-hmm. So those are my two. Oh, very good. Okay, so Carol Leifer, I love and worship. And Dana Gould is one of my favorites. I love him. He just kills me. And, huh, those are my two top favorites, though. Very good. Well, yeah. stand-up is definitely an art form unto itself. We also need to do an episode sometime about... Stand-ups who went on to become serious dramatic actors. I mean, you take a look at people like uh, Tom Hanks and Michael Keaton. A lot of Eric. people even forget that they were stand-up comedians at one point. Eric Bana? Yeah, there's another one. Wow. Mm-hmm. It's so weird when you think about that. Mm-hmm. Very true. Yeah, I love Michael Keaton. I love everything that man says. 
Yeah. Everything he says, I just, there was a movie I saw him in recently where I, his character was so hilarious. I didn't love the movie, but I loved him. Oh, the other guys. Mm -hmm. Is that the one he was in? With uh, Will Ferrell. Yeah, where he's the chief, but he yes. also works at, at Home Depot or Bed Bath yeah. Beyond or whatever. <laughs> and he's God, always yelling at people. Yeah, yeah. The movie was up and down, but yeah, I, uh, but yeah, Michael Keaton kills everything he does. It's fantastic. The way he keeps qu- quoting, um, what's the girl band? He keeps quoting and not realizing he's quoting them. TLC. Yeah, he as- keeps quoting. Don't 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 go chasing waterfalls as the detectives <laughs> are walking out the door. And then he catches himself. That's kind of cute. Yeah, if you get a chance, you know, don't go out of your way if it's on Netflix. But, you know, the other guys with Will Ferrell and uh, Mark Wahlberg. So. Yeah, the Michael Keaton parts. Although we can all agree that Michael Keaton's best movie was his first movie, which was The Night Shift. Oh, classic. Just absolutely classic. classic. Absolutely a classic. Really, the, he's great in everything he does. True. Yeah, I can't really fault him in anything. Dave Farley writes, you might want to throw in I Dream of Genie." So, yeah, we'll definitely talk about the belly button that wasn't allowed to shine and Larry Hagman and everything. That that show was weird. There was that. There was I Dream of Genie," and then we also had Bewitched at the same time. And it, I wonder what that says about society at the time, that uh, women had to hide their superpowers. I guess we'll get into that during that episode. Jeff McLaughlin it sounds like a serial killer because he wants us to talk about monster cereals and Quisp versus Quake. He also <laughs> wants us to talk about the Super Frank cartoon, the Hanna-Barbera cartoons, Rankin-Bass, John Hughes movies, and so Whoa. much more. Yeah. I'm a big fan Those of so suggest. much more. I'm always yeah. a big fan of so much more. I'm a big fan of doing monster cereals. And, you just uh, you just want to do like a taste test, like you want to. That's like, actually true. Yeah. I want some Count Chocula because I wasn't allowed to have it when I was a kid. Do they even still make it? Yeah, and if nothing else, around Halloween they put out like a commemorative set of cereal. I. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of people that buy it up around that time. Like Count you'll Chocula. go to Target and what not, and it'll be there. So. We will let you know when the cereals are upon us. Rebecca Prepke writes, this sounds really interesting. Count me in. How about something on the Muppets, music and influence in pop culture? Or maybe how American animation has changed over the last century, like topics covered and how the audience is not just children now. Boy, that's a that's a big topic there. Mm-hmm. It's strange. And then you add on top of things, like, for example, you have the animation that we grew up on in the 60s, 70s, and 80s and whatnot, and how that actually has been brought around to, for example, Birdman Attorney at Law on Adult Swim and things like that, where it's so self-referential. There's a lot of cool topics in that right there. Very big. If anyone ever asks me, like, what's the greatest thing you've ever done, like, work-wise, and it would be when I wrote a sketch for the Muppets and Wayne Brady. Uh, that was the best day of my life, professionally. <laughs> it was so exciting. And, and, I, and you have to send your script to, um, to the Muppet, to the production company, and then they have to approve it before right. the puppeteers will learn the lines. You know, they have to you know, make sure that it's approved. Right. And I wrote it like, like it would be a segment. If Wayne was hosting the Muppet show, this would be like, what would something they would do. Mm-hmm. So I wrote, I had them sing brick house with Wayne and the whole time Miss Piggy gets mad because she thinks they're calling her fat. 
<laughs> and she won't sing her parts, but she starts getting really angry. And then Wayne keeps chiming in things about her being a pig, but not saying she's fat, you know. Right. Well, and you are a pig. She is, right. So, yeah. And then at the end, she does a high yaw and knocks him over. And Steve Whitmire said to me that this was so fun, it felt like stuff with what we used to do on the old Muppet Show. And I was like, oh, my God. What a compliment. My, it was very exciting. Wow. That was the best thing ever, 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 ever. In fact, I think I'm going to post my picture with me and Miss Piggy now that we're talking about this. Oh, I you, you, you have to do it. You have to do it. Yeah. It's on YouTube, by the way. If you look it up, the Brick House with Wayne Brady and Miss Piggy. Uh, Miss Piggy fan posted it. Oh, wow. Well, we'll definitely repost it in the Facebook page for this show. Tommy B. writes, Scooby-Doo! So many guests. And, and I believe that you can pretty much intersect almost every major thing. You know, like there's the six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Yes, Everything's sir. separated. Mm-hmm. And the same with Scooby-Doo. I mean, think about it. Scooby-Doo recently did a movie with Kiss. They also did a show with Davy Jones. So that means that the monkeys and Kiss are in the same universe, along mm-hmm. with the Globetrotters, Don Knotts, Tim Conway, and so on and so forth. So it all just, and Batman, you know, it just, it just goes on and on and on and on. Yeah, it's funny because sometimes Scooby-Doo would have the fictional character as the guest or it would have the actual actor as and the then, guest. And then in but the it was, case... Most of the time it was fictional. Yeah, but, but then in the case of someone like Batman, Adam West. So you had Adam West and Batman as the guest stars that week in a sense. Think about it. Think about it, people. Are you talking to me? Yeah, you. <laughs> Zoinks, G <Okay>. Scoob. <laughs> Scoob. I love Scooby-Doo. My friend always tells me that I walk like Shaggy. Really? The way I walk, yeah, because I don't lift my feet up. Right, I'd be yelling I- at you because you would mess up the rugs in the house. Right. Oh, I do. My mother goes crazy when I go to visit her. She's like, who's messing up these rugs? And it's me. It's Shaggy. By the way, that was a live Shaggy and Scoob. That was not, uh, that was, that was done by me. That was, that was me. It was you. Just amazing, the talent that I don't have. Carolyn DiBiase <laughs> Negron says, Rowan and Martin's laughing. That really was a huge touch tone. In uh-huh. comedy, and it led the way to things like Saturday Night Live, in in many ways. Mm-hmm. Big fan of the laughing. Say good night, Dick. <laughs> Say good night, Dick. <laughs> Carrie Gordon, who hosts the Metal Geeks podcast, says now you're talking. If you need a guest host, I know a certain metal geek. So hi, Carrie, out there. We love you. All right, Carrie. Yeah. Richard Wolofsky says, I want to hear an episode on Shields and Yarnell. I think that's a... Now, now, do you think he's joking or do you think he's real? Because it would be a show about mine. So would that be us just not talking for 30 minutes? (laughs) Uh, I don't know. Maybe we can do Shields and Yarnell and Doug Henning all in the same episode. Because I feel like those TV specials were on at, like, the same time. I think I that he, he, one might have been on the other one for a time and then spun off. I can't remember. We'll have to find out. Maybe that's what it is, because when I think of them, I instantly think of him. So, Richard Wolofsky, if you're joking, you can just hit pause for 30 minutes, and that will be that episode. <laughs> if not, maybe we'll talk about the phenomenon that was Shields and Yarnell. More importantly, I think we'll look at it as the variety shows that came out in the 70s, because after Sonny and Cher became such a huge hit, it became a thing where they were trying that with everybody. Yeah, you know? exactly. And Variety shows, which I'm a huge fan of. I still, 
I love to watch shows like that. I like to go see shows like that. Mm-hmm. I've tried pitching shows like that. I love variety shows. And in a sense, isn't that what America's Got Talent and things like that are? I mean, even Dancing with the Stars, they, they put on these huge musical spectacles. And, like, for example, I, I watch Dancing with the Stars. I, every year I say I'm not watching it. And every year I somehow get roped into it. I don't know if it's, Mm. I mean, just thinking about Vanilla Ice doing the quick step or, you know, (laughs) Chong, for example, was on. And and then you just see people out of their environment doing something completely different. True, but it's a little one note. Like I'd say the voice is actually represents kind of that old variety Mm. feeling even more so because they actually do hilarious sketches. Mm. Like yes, they some do. of the writing is really clever, I think. Sometimes they're terrible, you know, but sometimes I'm like, God, that's really clever. That's hilarious. Speaking of hilarious, what about those uh, Adam Levine proactive pictures that you see people snapping in the malls? Oh. Adam, <clears throat> thank you for your service. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't know what we're talking about, just do a <laughs> do a search. <laughs> Enjoy. Uh, (laughs) Welcome to the cynical world we live in, where everything is possible. And Ron McKell writes in 1966, a watershed year for pop culture. Star Star Trek, Batman, The Monkees, Dark Shadows, Mission Impossible, Space Ghost, and most shows shot in color for the first time. Also, Rubber Soul, Pet Sounds, so on and so forth. Yeah, 1966, something was in the water. Something was happening. Agreed. And and Dark Shadows, the movie of Dark Shadows, I think was one of my favorite movies in the last 10 years. Now, we're going to have to talk about that because I am an anti-Johnny Deppite. Oh, well, I think the writing and the directing and everything about that movie, everything about it, I thought it, it was very underrated. I thought it was brilliant. So now you're going to make me have to dig this out. It is really clever. And it's it's even, I mean, the show itself was like, okay, you know, but, you know, it was kind of a, a campy version, modern version of the show. It right. is incredibly campy. And, and, I, and it, that's probably why I love it because I so, love that kind of stuff. So, so is it a straight up satire? I guess so. Okay. See, I, I can I can understand that. I can dig that. But and it, it it's not that I'm totally against Johnny Depp. I like okay. a lot of his stuff. Uh huh. But it's he's just become so ubiquitous that just he's everywhere and doing everything. And I mean, he's got a cologne now, and he's in he's in that Hollywood Vampires with Alice Cooper. It's yeah. just like back up a little bit, back up a little bit. I'm one of those kinds of people that I'm not sure Hollywood likes me at times. Because it's like, hey, here's that new franchise you're going to absolutely love. And I go, pass. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Johnny Depp, is a, he is definitely saturating the market. It's like, you know, Johnny Depp starring in Dreamgirls. It's like, no. No, he's not. <laughs> he is not. No. That's enough. How about Golden it, Girls with Johnny Depp? <laughs> the Golden Girls with Johnny Depp. And he's going Nicholas to play Cage. all four of them with uh, prosthetic makeups. <laughs> No, like that's Eddie not Murphy real. And, yeah, that's not true. It's a joke. That's it's not true. Johnny <laughs> Depp is not starring in a remake of Golden Girls. Though I wouldn't put it past anyone. That's something else we could talk about too. The Golden, Golden Girls. Girls. Oh, I, we have to. 
Great show. Great show. E. Arthur. Comedy gold. Mm-hmm. I understand that they are Love remaking her. that, though. They are remaking that. For Netflix with Betty White, she's reprising her role. Oh, how have I not heard this? Yeah, that's what I read on Facebook. So it's got to be true. Well, they're all, they've all passed. She's the only one who's still alive. Right. She's the only one that it makes sense to uh, do anything you know, with. She needs to stop working. I mean, we want her to be around, so she should just take a break. Yeah, but it, don't you think it's one of those things that if I stop, I'll like a shark. You know, if you, if they start stop swimming, they're gone. That's what she thinks. That's what she. I'm sure yeah. that's how she feels. But Plus, she's, she's she's went through good times and bad times. You know, she's had her share. That's true. <laughs> that's true. Led Zeppelin. Thank you, Robert Plant. On the um, on the Betty White. <laughs> See, that's one of the things about old Hollywood. Like we right now, you and I are we're huge monkeys fans, and like we we look at Mickey Dolans, who just will not stop. He doesn't know how. It's not in his genes, and he he remembers what it was like when he couldn't get work, you know, because right. there was that horrible fallout. Like, oh, you were really popular over here, so we can't like you anymore. And you know that look at look at how many people that's happened to the, the Bee Gees for God's sakes the Bee Gees were told pass we don't want you anymore whoever who said that to the Bee Gees a lot of people uh, the, the most world? of the world did yeah it just seemed like there was a time around 1980 that people said okay enough mm. it was right after the Sgt Pepper's remake they did which we need to talk uh. about that. I, you know what? I actually, when I was a kid, that was the only movie that my sister's friend Sam had. And my mom used to drop us off there. And we would, you know, when she was at work and we'd be there all day long. I can't tell you how many times I've seen that movie. Mm. And I loved it as a kid. And then I watch it now. I still like the music because if you don't like, I mean, obviously, if you don't like this. I mean, every song is great except when, except God bless him, except George Burns. Mm-hmm. That's the only part I can't handle. The part I can't handle is my beloved Alice Cooper with that mustache. <laughs> I know he was drinking a lot then. Probably doesn't he remember making it. But uh, that mustache, it just scares me. God, now I want to watch that movie. Of course you do. I do. And it's available. So, Courtney, it comes the time in our show. We're going to say goodbye to all the wonderful folks listening. What is popping in your world? We, we like to do a segment that we're going to do every week called What is Poppin'? And in this week, Courtney what is poppin' for Courtney Dold? Well, I told you about this documentary mm-hmm. on Netflix about the former bass player from the band OXO who had the hit Whirly Girl. Mm-hmm. If you want to play a little bit of that, maybe then everyone will go, oh, yeah. Actually, which is a song I like. After the success of the song and the band, you know, things sort of fizzled out. And I think this particular gentleman was so young that he didn't really know what to do with himself. So he became an alcoholic and married one of his fans who was 20 years older than him. 
And this is a documentary about their life 20 some odd years later after the fizzle out of the fame and the whole thing. His stepson came home from film school to find that the money that he needed for school was spent on a new new recording equipment for Frank because he got drunk and smashed up the old recording equipment. So naturally, his mother, Cindy, who is quite an interesting character, incredibly likable, I have to say. You can't keep your eyes off her. She's, I can't, I don't want to give away too much. Right. But anyway, so he came home to, to that. They're both alcoholics. He started filming them because he was angry at them. And then halfway through, he realized, oh my gosh. And I think he even says in the movie somewhere, this is gold. And he made it into a documentary and he brought it back to school and he actually won some awards and the rest is history. But, but it the, doesn't stop there. This no. documentary is also a feature-length film. Mm-hmm. And the weird thing is is they both have the same name. It, right, which can be confusing. The Frank and Cindy, the film with Rene Russo, who I never realized, I always liked her. I didn't realize how good she was until I saw her play Cindy. Mm-hmm. It's pretty pretty impressive and uh, Oliver Platt who's always good he's mm-hmm. Frank and Mark Marin is actually in the film and uh, is excellent hello uh, Mark fellow podcaster yes and he's a terrific actor mm-hmm. um, really good actually I was really really impressed with his performance in the film and um, and I think both are good I've seen both um, and I think you should watch the documentary clearly before you watch the film or maybe not it yeah, I, I'm actually of... thinking it should be the other way because I started on the documentary. Now I'm jonesing to check out Rene Russo as as mm-hmm. her. So, yeah, the film's definitely more entertaining because they take the best of it and they create scenes that certainly aren't part of the documentary to illustrate who other people were in their lives because mm-hmm. it's really pretty much Frank and Cindy in the documentary, right? And then uh, and then her son. So and the definitely good thing, take a look. And the good thing about this is they are both available on Netflix and yes. let us know what you think about Frank and Cindy. Ken, how about you? What's popping in your world this week? Well, another thing that can be found on Netflix, and that is I mentioned it earlier, Freaks and Geeks. My god, how that show didn't run for like 6 or 7 years on television. It just it blows my mind. It really is a who's who of basically a lot of people in Hollywood now. I mean, you've got Seth Rogen and uh James Franco. James Franco's in there. It's just such great comedy. And for a kid who graduated in 1981, it's right on point for me. So Mm -hmm. it's right up there. And it's so weird because another show that another Netflix recommend here is Stranger Things, right? Oh, I loved that. One of the greatest things. And that's going to be an entire episode, so we don't want to spill too much of it. But... I remember watching that, and as somebody who was, like, around from, like, 1979 to 1984, it smells, looks, and tastes like the 80s, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And the same with Freaks and Geeks. As a matter of fact, uh, I kept waiting for a supernatural creature to come busting out of their hallways and chase them out into the street. (laughs) So, And the show is even more entertaining than Winona Ryder's facial expressions during David Harbour's speech at the SAG Awards. <laughs> Where she is not trying to act... <laughs> she's not trying to be subtle at all. But right. uh, I was, like, really, again, imp- really impressed with uh, Winona Ryder, who I've always liked. But um, 
she's not Winona Ryder, if you know what I mean, yeah. in this show. It's, right. She's just eyebrows. Yeah, she's Big got some eyes. good eyebrows. Eyebrows and yeah, she she gave good eyebrows. There you go. I, like I don't that. I don't want to say she stole the show cuz she doesn't do that anymore. Oh god, that was a terrible joke. That the was The shoplifting so joke. I oh, get it. That was bad. That was bad. That was She's going to no, listen no, no. to she'll be driving and she'll be listening to this show and she'll go, "When will they forget?" She'll be like, "Huh?" Hmm? That's, that's that's my impression that's of her face. That's still a thing. That please give us your impression once again. Ladies and gentlemen, Courtney Dole as Winona Ryder. There you go. That's perfect. Boy, that's sharp. (laughs) Well, we hope you can stand us, and we hope you come back for episode one, since this is our episode zero, our introductory episode, and I hope that you've enjoyed hanging out with us a little bit today. All we are meant to be is the diversion that knocks the cobwebs of the recesses of your mind. So... Here we are, and we we hope that you let us know what you want us to talk about, because this is your show in a way. This is our collective pop culture experience live. So here we are, live on MP3, right? I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Well, is there anything you'd like to say before we zoom on out of here? Before we pop on out? Before we pop on out of here? Mm -hmm. I just want to say thank you for having me. I'm really looking forward to the myriad of topics that we will be discussing and i think that this show is going to be really fun for the listeners but i think it's going to be fun for us ken i think so too pop culturalist ken mills and courtney droid i mean courtney dold (laughs) (laughs) will venture into the pop world so we will see you on the next episode of pop a pop culture podcast we will see you bye 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 Bye-bye. 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 And that's our show. Pop is an online, non-profit pop culture audio fanzine made for fans by fans. Any samples of music, TV, or movies heard here remain the property of their owners. Pop, a pop culture podcast, is not affiliated with any products we review or discuss. Opinions heard here belong to the people who express them and may not reflect the views of the pop staff. If you like something that you heard, buy it at your local record, video, or bookstores, or wherever pop is found. If you enjoy the show, like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Thanks for listening, and until next time, I'm your announcer, Christine Wolf, saying whatever you do, make sure it pops. Say goodnight, Dick.